You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to focus on the Bucks with Tom Krasnicki from 620 WDAE in Tampa and talk Browns football with Daryl Ryder from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network. Daniel, as always, we appreciate you taking the time. Let's start under center. We know Sam Darnold had too many turnovers last year for USC, and that was also a negative highlight of USC losing to Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl. But let's skew positive. What do you like the most about Sam Darnold as he gets ready for the pros? Well, I think there's a lot to like about him, uh, Brian. You look at the size that he has, you start there. He's got prototypical size. He's got the arm strength to make every throw. I, I love the fact he can throw with touch. Uh, he can feather the ball when he needs to over over linebackers, under safeties. He's got a real good feel there. Uh, I love the fact that when the initial play breaks down, he can make things happen, uh, create time and, and use his arm as well as take off and use his legs when needed. And then I love the competitiveness with the kid. I mean, people are going to point to that Ohio State game. I can point to a handful of games where USC was in some big-time trouble late in the game, and uh, he stepped up and made plays the Texas game this year, the Utah game this year, the Penn State game, and the Rose Bowl the year before. So I've seen him perform in in the big-time moments as well. So I think the kid's made of the right stuff, and I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. Which quarterback of the few, uh, including Lamar Jackson, um, that surprises you the most or gives you the feeling that they may be the first one taken based on what they can do on the field? Yeah, I mean, I, I still think I, – I think Darnold will end up being the first guy taken. Um, the, only, the only thing that maybe could shake it up is if for some reason uh, Cleveland did not take a quarterback at one. If they, if they decided to take Saquon Barkley, say, with the first pick, then I think it would be interesting to see what the Giants did because they have they – have, a guy, Eli Manning, that's, that's ready to start for another couple of years. So if, if, you know, people have been talking about Josh Allen as a long-term project, as the police go with him by me, I'm not getting arrested, I promise. Uh, the, uh, the fact that he's a long-term project, Eli Manning would afford somebody like that the opportunity to sit. So uh, that would be the ultimate kind of surprise to me would be if Josh Allen somehow ended up being that guy. Talking draft with Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network, NFL.com. Daniel, where do you come down on Lamar Jackson? You know what Bill Polian's been saying repeatedly, that Jackson should focus on being a receiver in the NFL. He's a quarterback. I mean, I've been on record with that from the start. Uh, I think he's a top 40 pick. I think there is some risk there because he's got some mechanical things he needs to work through. Uh, but you live with some of the inaccuracy because of the playmaking ability he has, which is so rare. Um, so, to me, I think... Maybe not right away is he ready to get on the field, but I think he's he's got a chance to be a, a really successful starting NFL quarterback at the next level. And my advice to him was it was pretty simple. If, if you're in the combine interview room and, and teams are asking you about switching positions, I would just say, hey, I, I appreciate your time. It's, it's been great to visit with you, and I look forward to playing against you. Uh, that's that's I'm a quarterback. I'm going to be a quarterback, and I'm not going to consider any other position at this point in time. I, that would be my response. I remember going to the going to the combine, and I remember the Indianapolis coach came up to me and asked me uh, what I try out as a running back. And guess who was the GM then? Bill Polian. Oh, so, Polian. Oh, there right. you go. 
Exactly. So, you know, you see how that worked out, right? So it's for me, it's just more of a thing of which team is going to buy into him and give him a chance, just like all these other kids, because it's all a potential conversation of the Sam Darnold's just a sophomore to a Josh Allen coming out of Wyoming. We see how inaccurate he's been uh, to a Josh Rosen and him being more in a pro style offense. And I think something we probably can relate to best. But the kid you have down coming out of Oklahoma, the, the, the Heisman Trophy winning Baker Mayfield. He's a kid that's the shortest of the few diminutive is the word that we love to use technically, but he's one that I think has the drive that gives you an opportunity regardless of what team he goes to for his thick skin is concerned because of how he's gotten his opportunity from Texas Tech to Oklahoma uh, that can probably come in and make a difference. Do you agree with that? Yeah, he's look, everything I see from Baker, I love on the field. Um, I just almost just wish, though, he would just kind of just put his head down and work. You know, there's that, there's that fine line there, Cordell. I mean, I love emotion and I love passion, and I think that's important, uh, especially when it comes to leadership. But to me, I go devotion over emotion. I mean, let's just, right. just go get your work in. Don't tell me you're doing what you're doing. Just go do it. And so I wish he would just kind of lay a little bit lower than he's been laying at, that, at this point in time, but that's just kind of a personal a preference for me. Chatting with Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network. Daniel, what's your evaluation of Josh Allen? Big body, big arm, but the completion rate is troublesome to some if you buy into the importance of that metric. As you know, less than 60% of Wyoming. Yeah, look, I, I always warn people that, you know, completion percentage, there's a difference between completion percentage and accuracy. I can go through and find you guys that live on tunnel screens, bubble screens, and those and pop passes and all the other stuff, and you can have a pretty inflated completion percentage and not be accurate. Now, they don't have any layups built into that offense in Wyoming, so everything is down the field. I'm not making excuses for the kid. He still has issues with taking, taking gas off the ball, being able to change ball speeds, and being able to touch it up. But I've seen him drive the ball with accuracy and make some rare throws. So, to me, it's time. Uh, you know, I, I think he's a better player than Deshaun Kaiser was, but I had the same concern with Kaiser, which was, don't ruin this kid. Don't put him out there yet until he's ready. He's got to work through some things. And, and I feel the same way about Josh Allen. I think the upside is tremendous, but I think you're gonna, it's going to require some patience. Think of these young quarterbacks and, and – and we feel like we have, you know, the, the idea of what they'll be able to do. I mean, no one thought that Jared Goff would come in and, and and not play, let's just say not play as good as he did his first year, but no one thought that he would turn it around as quick as he did neither. So do we really have, let's just say, the, the blueprint on what it takes to be that quarterback or a quarterback in the National Football League? Because it's been done differently. Carson Wentz coming out of the FCS with North Dakota State. And look at, look at what he's done this year on, on a run to be the MVP of the league. Yeah, I mean, Cordell, I think there's a great lesson with those two quarterbacks. Um, and Wentz was, you know, played better than Goff that first year. But you can see the massive leap that both those kids made in year two. And look at the investments they made around them. And to me, it's, it's you know, it used to be, it used to in personnel, we talk about having an offense. You wanted them to grow up together. So you'd want to draft the quarterback and then and real quickly around him draft a bunch of other young kids. Uh, so they could all grow up together and, and emerge together. And now I think because these quarterbacks are rushed onto the field, it's important to get those guys veterans, it, veterans in front of them, veteran weapons. And you look at the Rams with, you know, bringing in Whitworth, bringing over Robert Woods, Sammy Watkins, and then you sprinkle in a Cooper Cup. Uh, you look at the Eagles and you bring over Alshon Jeffrey. You, you bring over Torrey Smith. 
they put veterans in place with those young guys, and you saw a, a massive upgrade in their performance. So all these teams that are in the quarterback market in this draft, man, they better be trying to build up around them and, and give them a chance. Daniel Jeremiah is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Let's make the move to other positions. Daniel, on your board, how much separation is there between Saquon uh, Barkley and everybody else as we spotlight the running back position? Yeah, there's a good gap there, but I, I think it's a deep group of running backs. Uh, you know, to me, I have Ronald Jones and Darius Geis kind of right in that next uh, tier uh, with Sony Michelle and, and Nick Chubb not far behind. Uh, but to me, Saquon Barkley is clearly the best guy. He's rare with his size-speed combination as well as his ability in the passing game to split out and, and do some unique things. He's a, he's a special, special player. When you see the quarterback scenarios you have, not just with the college players coming into the draft, but seeing like A.J. McCarron, he's now becoming a conversation piece when it comes down to grabbing him on the team. You may have Case Keenum. Uh, you may have Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Bradford, who's going to be available on that roster as well. Does that screw up anything for the young kids coming out into this year's draft? Well, the more, the more general managers and personnel directors I talk to around the league, the more the feeling is of pairing up a veteran with a young guy uh, at the position and, and, and taking two swings at it. So, I mean, I can see a situation like let's go through some of the teams. I could see Cleveland getting McCarron, and then they turn around and draft a, a Sam Darnold. I could see the Denver Broncos trying to sign a Case Keenum, and maybe they end up going for somebody in the second round, a Mason Rudolph you know, type guy. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, I could see them trying to trade for a Nick Foles and, and see if, if one of those quarterbacks were to fall in their lap uh, in the draft. So I could see a lot of these different scenarios where you see a veteran matched up uh, with a young guy. The one exception would probably be wherever Kirk Cousins goes because that money's going to be so big, you're not, uh, you're not in the rookie quarterback business. Daniel, great information as always. Thanks so much for joining us again on the NFL on TuneIn. All right, fellas, take care. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. TuneIn has what you need and when you want it when on the run and on the go. Covering all musical needs. Today's hits. Latin hits. Country roads. Hip-hop beats. Sit down. Sit down. Supporting artists and the music they make exclusively on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, Cordell and I discuss the top headlines of the day. Cordell, you've documented on this program your commitment to fitness. You are working out every day. Well, I've got some more inspiration for you. Adam Vinatieri. 45 years old, plans on playing at least another season. Yeah, he's kicking balls through the upright. <laughs> hey, you know, how many times he's going to actually have a chance to really hit somebody? Oh, Adam that's not Kickers are not football players, even on their way to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, on their way. They got to make a couple hits. You know, they got to get themselves because they're not – truly immersed into having to set their pads a certain way, get their get their chest over their knees to to make sure you have your base and your foundation, which are your feet and your legs, in the proper position so you can so you can so you can lunge through the hips, coming from the hips, through the player, bringing your arms in. He's not that that's not the conversation for Adam Vinatieri. It, it's it's him, you know, hit it between the uprights. 
uh, and, and try to continue the trend of putting points on the board and probably be the, when it comes to all-time points, uh, leading scorer in the sense of all kick, field goal kickers uh, in the history of the game because he's been doing it for a very, very, very long time. And so it's, hey, if the leg is still working, baby, let it keep going. And if the Jim Irsay wants to keep him around, with the coats, let him hang around. Because he's, he's been, he's, I mean, come on, man. It's a heck of a job, too, by the way. He's getting paid pretty good money. He was in the league when you were in the league. That's yeah, how old he was. Yeah, he was, seriously. All the way back, way back when. Yeah, when the Pro Bowl was in Hawaii. That seemed like it was a very, very long time ago. But uh, Vinatieri, Vin, Adam Vinatieri has been around for a very, very long time. And and uh, what, I got in the league in 95? So do I want to say he been around, he's been around that long? Um Let's just say yes for the sake Your of conversation. Because overlapped, no doubt. Too, about trust it. me, he's he, he surpassed coaches. I mean, it's it, the guy is just defying all things that that has to do with age. I mean, he has now become the new father time. Twenty three years experience in the National Football League. Guess where he came from? South Dakota State. Not to be confused with North Dakota State. How about but. that, huh? <laughs> South Dakota State. Twenty three years of experience. He's 45 years of age and five more years. That will be 28 years. It's half his damn near half his life. Jeez. Go ahead on, Adam. You're the guy, man. <laughs> 1972. Yeah, he came in the league in 95. That's a long time ago, bro. Wow. No power to you, buddy. He has nothing else to do. No, it's not that. It's He's passionate about the sport. He has a chance to be the all-time leading scorer in the history of the NFL. He's got goals on the horizon. Well, no, no, that's not what it is. That's good for, that's good for leading the show. That's great. Sounds good. He's got nothing you know better that to means? do with your summation. That's I your kick it between the uprights to get paid a boatload of money. And yes, he's going to the Hall of Fame regardless if he quits right now if he wanted to. If he stopped right now, he still would be the best that ever did it. The best. He's been a part of pretty much at least a third or maybe half or maybe more of those wins they had in, in, in New England. He was a part of all that. Then he ends up, didn't he get a chance to win uh, with India as well? I mean, guys, he's, he's, he's probably saying to himself, just like Tom Brady, there's nothing else to do. Nothing else to do out there. I'll just keep hitting them through the uprights, keep making my millions, give the, give, give the, give the league six months out of the year, and just go home and spend time with my family. It's a good life. Not that bad. And you, you come back and give me the, he has a lot to do. You think? He's already done it. There's nothing else said other than he, has to he just wants to keep shape. playing because he loves the game of football. Got to work on technique. He's not going to mail it in in the twilight of his so career. He's got to work on technique? Don't you think he's out there honing his craft? You think that's what he's doing? You tell me you're the professional athlete on well, the show. Well, you just he said just it. I'm asking you. You made the statement. I'm, I'm asking you. You think credit. that's what he's doing? I'm giving him credit. Yes, I'm implying there's some work so involved. So now kickers are athletes is what you're telling me. Is that what you're telling you're me now all of a sudden? You're the one who took a shot at him off the top when I was acknowledging the greatness of someone still getting it done at the age of 45. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just making sure. I, I just I just see this, this flagpole is just wavering from left to right so many different times to where I didn't know, you know, other than that guy, Mitch Berger. Who's a no. punter, not a kicker, he's, but, but he's cool. on a roll But he's still a place. He's still he's still a special teams guy. Yes, Same sir. family. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm not on a roll. I'm just calling it what it is. The, the, the poll is just wavering back and Are forth. we going to have a debate over Adam Vinatieri? I was giving him a compliment, and somehow this has become well, a no, point I'm of just, I'm just saying, it's, I, I've heard you say kickers, you know, they're not athletes. 
at one point in time in this conversation. We've been together for a while. You say a lot of things. Yeah, it's a talk show. We <laughs> talk. Okay? Let, let me try to enhance the conversation. We'll stay in Indy, talk about a position that many people listening might have more interest in. The quarterback spot. Peter King, our great friend of the MMQB, had mm-hmm. a detailed conversation on FaceTime with Andrew Luck. Here's Luck weighing in on how his rehab is going. I feel awesome. I really do. I, I am in a great place. It's been a long journey I, uh, to this point, and there, it'll, it'll still be a long journey till, uh, till hopefully we get, we get what you know, we need to get done in Indianapolis. Uh, the rehab has been, has been hard at times. Uh, the one thing I, I know in my heart is that I am getting better and I feel great. I'm extremely optimistic. Uh, it's been fun to, to see myself improve. Uh, so I, I'm really, really, I, I couldn't be more excited uh, for this off season and, and for, for our new coach, everything that's happening and, and where the direction of the team is going. Luck was just getting warmed up. He also talked about where he is in the early stages of throwing the football again. I'm in the middle of, of sort of a little bit of throwing, but, but strengthening and preparing my shoulder to be able to handle the throw load that that is part of being an NFL quarterback. That's part of being a quarterback. So uh, the focus right now uh, is still strengthening all those muscles and making sure that that my shoulder can handle it. But it's exciting. I, I know in my heart of hearts, it's gonna. I'm gonna be a better thrower, a better quarterback, a better teammate, a better Colt uh, because of of what I'm going through, what I've been through, and, and, and what we'll continue to go through. Luck was also asked the critical question, is there a possibility he's going to need another procedure? That is not an option for me right now. I feel very, very good uh, about where I am. Um, so that that ship has sailed in my mind, uh, which, which is also a bit of a relief. You know, I'm not going to lie. Finally, Luck offered his perspective on working with his new head coach, Frank Reich. I know the history that Frank has – with Indianapolis, the history that Frank has as a quarterback, uh, the history he has with, with obviously the recent history with, with, with the Eagles. So I am incredibly excited. I've had a chance to talk to him. Uh, and and I, yeah, I could not, I can't wait to work with him. I really, uh, I really think he'll get, he'll get the best out of, out of everybody that walks into that locker room. And, and I hope we give him our best and uh, see, see where this goes. Cordell, the big headline, Luck acknowledging what Indy fans have been waiting for, the news. He's in the embryonic stages, early stages of throwing the football again. That is a huge, small step in the right direction. If he's 100%, what's your outlook for Andrew Luck this fall? Well, it's just going to boil down to everything around him. Um, I mean, to hear that he's starting the process is, is a plus, for sure, considering that from a calendar standpoint, he's been out, been out for over a year and a half. Um, and then that's not that's not the norm, I would say, for an Andrew Luck um, of, or any any player of his magnitude um, being out for so long. I would just say um, to hear that he's actually now throwing the football, and I know he's working on getting the muscles around the injury stronger, so that you know when it comes down to uh, the things that he mentioned, the throwing load. Um, of a quarterback, you know, his arm can actually handle it. And, and, and I think that's, that's, that's the right direction and the right sound you need uh, coming out of a situation such as this one. You wish you could have had maybe the trainer say this, but it's good to hear from Andrew Luck because we haven't had an opportunity to really get it all from him um, 
I mean, to a point where we can at least have our minds wrapped around what we can anticipate as we move forward into the 2018 season. But I just see it being a case, from, you know, from you know, out of my heart, heart of my heart of hearts, as he said, you know, because he's speaking from his heart, not the feeling, but the heart. Is he'll be fine. Uh, my question is, which I've always had since he's come into the National Football League, what system are they going to give him? Is it going to be the one that he's been having to carry the load over the last few years or since he's come into the National Football League? Or is it going to be one of those cases, what are you going to do by committee? And maybe think about if the players there in the draft grabbing a, a Saquon Barkley and help out Frank Gore uh, when it comes to running the football and create some balance. I mean, that can help if he's there, if he's there. Because I've always said, run the football, establish the line of scrimmage, play action pass, throw the football. Longevity is a big part of, of this game nowadays, especially for quarterbacks. And so far, it hadn't been that good for Andrew Luck. So I, I think as you, as I look at it and think about it from a big picture standpoint, what needs to happen is they need to start emphasizing the run. If Frank Reich is coming from Philadelphia, what was one of the most constant thing they had going on in this offense? And that was running the football, right? It was with Carson Wentz or even with Nick Foles. They did a good job of, of mixing it up by running the football, a little play action pass, which was RPOs. I don't know for sure if they'll do that. May, it may implement that into the system. That may help out a lot and give Andrew Luck a chance to stay healthy. And uh, that's the key, is if he can have an opportunity to continuously, continuously get stronger as his offseason off progress, um, and then you know you find a few players in the draft, free agency, or what have you, uh, then you'll have an opportunity to really see uh, some good things actually end up happening for him. So I'm looking forward to seeing um, everything that he has in front of him for his getting healthy, as well as his football team being something that can help him stay in the game for a long time. So I just like the progress that he's making right now, other than, you know, is he going to get seven wins, eight wins, nine wins, ten wins? I'm not, I'm not jumping out in that water because we don't even know for sure if he's going to really be healthy uh, come to even OTAs. This is just a preliminary. I mean, they're taking extreme baby steps. They're doing it on purpose, you know. So I think if they can continue to do that, I think he'll get strong and he'll have a chance to play come this year. And those are fair concerns to have because we know the shoulder can be a troublesome area for any quarterback. I can give you Chad Pennington, other notable QBs who once they had the initial injury were never the same. You talked about Philadelphia's willingness to run the football. That came down to game planning and personnel. Jay Ajayi, LeGarrette Blunt. I don't see anybody close to that on the current roster in Indy. You mentioned Frank Gore on his way to the Hall of Fame. Most reports indicating the Colts will be parting ways with Gore. So now they're in the running back market. Maybe they use the number three overall pick to take Saquon Barkley out of Penn State. But if we're thinking about the skill positions, who's the best receiver on the Colts roster? And you're going to go Eugene T.Y. Hilton. That answers the question. Who's the best tight end? Jack Doyle? Enough said. They don't have a running back. Offensive line has been a work in progress for years, and the defense can't tackle anybody. So even if Andrew Luck comes back and looks like vintage Luck, Cordell, I don't think this team is going to do much next year. And yes, it's way too early before free agency, before the draft. But unless somehow they blow up this entire roster, to me, this feels like a team that's coming in last place in a much improved AFC South. I mean, I, I, I think that's the direction you're going now, but this team was in a lot of games last year. I know the record didn't indicate that much uh, with what they've done, but last season, uh, this football team, I thought were in a lot of games, and, and but they just couldn't finish. 
uh, among the, the majority of them. Uh, they start off in the first half well. They finish up strong in the second half either or, but never really could put it together uh, to allow themselves to get over four wins that we end up seeing this team getting last season. So uh, with Andrew Luck coming back, I guess I, I would say a few of those games that were close games, like the Arizona game, uh, that they end up playing at home, lost 16-13 to 13 in overtime. Um, you're looking at that game against the Cleveland Browns at home, winning it 31-28. You have to assume with Andrew Luck, it probably could have been much better. Also, losing to the San Francisco 49ers, 23-26 to 26 in overtime at home. I mean, so you, you start looking at some of these games and you start saying, what if they would have had Andrew Luck? How about playing against Pittsburgh, 20-17? to 17? They lost that game. Um, I mean, so you, I can continue to go on through this, through this schedule to give you an idea of how close they were. Um, but they're going to have to build this team up a little bit better. I mean, it's, it's not going to be a year next year where they might as well sit Andrew Luck out again. That's not going to happen. Uh, so they're going to have to fix it now uh, to the point where he can have an opportunity to stay healthy. But you know what? I, I would say for him, you know, if it's not there, throw it away. Don't try to force it. Don't try to be a hero. And, and, and then get yourself caught up between a rock and a hard place and, and, and maybe end up getting one of those hits again. I just think it's just take care of the football. Most importantly, that's where it starts. Get the ball to whomever it may be. Hopefully the system that Frank Reich brings to the table uh, really put these, these, position, these, these possession receivers, type receivers in position uh, to be able to go out and, and be in the right place to catch the football because they don't have to be superstars. They just need to know the system has to be set up well enough for these guys just to get where they belong. You know, there's this notion of having a, a, a list quarterback on the roster. It's not necessary a, a need. It doesn't hurt, but that's not who this Indianapolis Colts team is. You know, those days of, you know, the Marvin Harrisons and, and the Reggie Waynes, those days are over with so far. I would say uh, in Indy, but if they can find ways to get these young receivers and these tight ends and, and even Frank Gore being a part of it, um, if he's still there, uh, in position to make some plays and just try to start going back to the fundamentals of the game, which is keep the chains moving, try to stay ahead of down and distance and just methodically work your way down the field and not try to do it with one big play, one player. Uh, the same situation has happened in Indy. We've seen it happening in Green Bay. If you don't set it up well enough for these these quarterbacks that are good quarterbacks on their football teams to be able to get the help that they need, whether it's players or the scheme, we're going to end up seeing shoulders being injured to show, you know, whether it's the collarbone or the shoulder or whatever, you know, that that's going to maybe cost the team because their 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 big piece to the puzzle is injured and that's what happened with Indianapolis. Is they they didn't give him anything. He doesn't have anything to work with, especially when it comes to play calling. And maybe this move with Frank Wright may help him. That's why he's so, I think, so excited and enthused about the opportunity to work with him, considering where he came from. Well, if you're talking about devoting too many resources to one player, and that's typically a quarterback, and that's what Ryan Griggs and the former GM of the Colts said in so many words when he was probably too candid for his own well-being as a guest on Fox Sports Radio. Let's connect that precedent with all the money that Andrew Luck got from Jim Mercer and Indy to what the Jets could be doing with Kirk Cousins. Cordell, wouldn't it be exactly the same dilemma? Because there's this one report out there. We're going to talk about 
the financial details of the Jeff's Jets potential offer tomorrow when we chat with Brian Costello from the New York Post. There's one report out there indicating the Jets are willing to give Kirk Cousins $60 million in the first year alone to blow away any other offers out there. How in the world does that make any sense if you're trying to assemble the rest of the roster when it comes to the Jets? Well, they're, they're under the cap right now. Um, I think anytime you have that 73 million bucks under the cap, that gives you the flexibility to be able to set the tone the way you choose to. Um, you know, to give him 60 million of that 73 or, or however they choose to do it, uh, they have the flexibility to create whatever they choose, choose to. I don't think they will handicap, uh, I would say, uh, the monies if they were to pay him that type of guaranteed money over five years. Um, and so you just, it just, I'm just doing the regular math unless, unless my math teacher taught me different. If there's 73 million bucks uh, sitting there uh, under the cap, along with the monies that they'll actually end up getting, which is well over 150 million bucks, maybe over 70 million bucks for sure, um, you can give him that. That means now this team is sitting with, uh, let's just say 214 or so million bucks. That, that's how I see it. So that's 200, maybe $15 million that they have. And they're basically saying of that 215 million, because we have 73 under, depending on how they do the restructuring of contracts or depending on how they go through the process of cutting players because their number is so big against the cap, that frees up a tremendous amount of money to where now that's added to the pool. That's added to the pot to where now they're capable of finagling some dollars and cents to be able to grab a player like... um, a player like a, a Kirk Cousins to come in to, to afford to give him 60 million bucks guaranteed, which I think, you know, the coach wasn't in that position. They just gave him $87 million because they wanted to make a big splash because of what happened with Joe Flacco after his run to Super Bowl and winning it. Until Jim Irsay figured, you know what? Since you did that with your guy, we're going to do it with ours. That's what Jim Irsay said. And what ended up happening? Team's been handicapped ever since. I don't think the Jets would be in that situation. Because now you're, again, you're playing with house money, so to speak, because you're under a cap, under the cap. To where now you still actually deal with your actual monies that you have to allocate throughout your team for the 2018 season. So that's a, to me, that's a different situation. I think the most probably would think that's a totally different situation. Because guaranteed money comes from maybe the 73 or wherever it may come from. It comes from there in the first year. And, and, and the Jets wouldn't be hurting because they still have the playing field from a dollars and cents standpoint to do what they want to do. It's just they're devoting that under-the-cap money, majority of it, to Kirk Cousins. And that's the beauty of being able to finagle um, your situation when it comes to the dollars better than most. Look at Cleveland. They're 100 million bucks under the cap. They have 100 million bucks that they can give away, and it won't hurt them to do it because they still deal with the numbers that they have that's given to them going into the 2018 season. So how many players is that? hitting on what they need and what they want. It's just now a matter of massaging that roster down to the 53-man roster once the season starts. But that's leverage. And that's nothing like being under the cap and still having some success. But we know Jets, they played better than most thought. You know, they thought they were a team that was tanking because of all the pieces that they lost. Um, And look at the Cleveland Browns. We know they're struggling uh, because they only got one win in the last two seasons. But both these teams... With having those issues, 
they have money under the cap where they can actually build their football team the way they want to. And that's either grabbing a quarterback through free agency or maybe going through the draft and grab one. And I think going through free agency to grab one and won't hurt them and they can pay them the way they want to because that's a lot of money. 73-7 and 100 million bucks under the cap, Jets and Cleveland, that's leverage. You know, so as far as money is concerned and grabbing players they want, they're winning. Now, what they do come game day, come week one in 2018, that's another question. But they're winning when it comes down to being able to do a, a good deed to grabbing whoever it is they choose to. And if they want to guarantee the money, so be it. If they don't, I mean, they still have the leverage to be able to do it how they choose to. But they have the, the capital to be able to grab a player like a Kirk Cousins and pay him handsomely. And I'm talking about more than gangrene. I understand Jets. how it's viable. I know how you can massage the cap to make it work. I'm just talking about return on investment. So you talked about the winning component. Let's play the hypothetical game. What if Cousins gets all of that money, potentially every single dime guaranteed? How much better is that team knowing the Patriots have dominated the division for a decade and a half? Yeah, I mean, but they got to start somewhere to make it work. And, and that's the, the piece that can make them at least feel good to know that that's what they're going into the season to compete against, to, to compete against uh, someone like a, a Tom Brady. I mean, what other quarterback out there you know that's going to give you a better chance of winning just from a name-based standpoint other than Kirk Cousins? It's nothing else. AJ, AJ McCarron? That ain't happening. We know that can't happen. These young kids coming out of the draft, that won't happen in the first year, not the first. Kirk Cousins, it's a question mark. It's a 50-50 chance. I think he gives you a better chance than everyone else just because of his experience in the game. But again, in that division, everyone's going to struggle. Buffalo, Jets, as well as Miami. But we've seen Miami have this team go on the road and lose. Say it again? Buffalo just got to the playoffs for the first time since 1999. That's a very stout defense. Yeah, they got the help they needed. Got the help they needed, and but that wasn't because they swept New England. That was because they got the help. They positioned themselves with the other games they played uh, and gave themselves an opportunity um, to, to, to see what was it, Cincinnati. <laughs> the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens play to where it came down to a play that was, I don't know how the tight end came wide open on it. Uh, but this team last year, they got swept by the New England Patriots and they still got in. So it's not always beating that football team, but you would love to know that you have enough to be able to compete against them and maybe get a split, which Miami ended up getting uh, when we saw New England actually go down to that area. But Kirk Cousins, I mean, come on, it's, it's, he's the better quarterback of the few. Uh, it's just a matter of getting your mind wrapped around how much money they're going to end up giving him. And again, it's up to the organization and how they do it. And they do have the money, the disposable income to do it. Extra extra cake sitting on the side to be able to make it work. So he's not going to handicap this football team like uh, Andrew Luck did uh, the Indianapolis coach because this is free money that this team does have. But just because you can spend doesn't mean you should. No, yeah, you have to. You have to spend spend it on the quarterback if you want to compete. I just can't give Kirk Cousins $150 million. I refuse to do that. I know. I mean, we we gave it to Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, I'm just saying. (laughs) We gave it to we gave it to Andrew Luck. He's been injured for the last three years. Twenty six games he's missed. I mean, however we want to justify doing it, so be it. And we're still having a common conversation of he's taking baby steps to get back into this 2018 season. So Kirk Cousins, he's been on the football field for the last three years. He hadn't been on the bench because of an injury. 
So if 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 the Jets see from my from my durability standpoint as well as an upside, what do they have to lose? Truthfully, at the end of the day, considering what they million dollars guaranteed, and you can't cut them because you're on the hook for every dollar of it. Yeah, I mean, if if we walk into every scenario this way, there there will there will be a very low standard pay wise to quarterbacks in the game. Because truthfully, Jimmy Garoppolo one thirty seven. No way. And that was just in five games. And I'm not giving you the other two games. With New England, I'm just saying five games in, in San Francisco. Her cousins, he's putting his body of work is solid. It's solid. It's not no less than solid. It is solid. Okay, but let's get into where you slot him. He's not top 10, Kirk Cousins. Well, but the money doesn't determine if you're top 10 no, or not. I'm talking performance based on what you've seen on the field. He's not a top 10 starter in the NFL. Uh, He's not top 10. Quarterback, just playing the position. Uh-huh. Uh, if you go in the NFC, just in that division, Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott, just in that division. Uh, obviously, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, of course. I would save Case Keenum for another conversation. Mm. Ryan, Ryan, <laughs> Matt Ryan. Today. Okay, that's five uh, Matt, right now, and we're still in the NFC. All three quarterbacks, I would say all three quarterbacks of the four. I'm keeping list, Cam, Drew, we're still in the NFC. Go Matt on. Matt Ryan, and then you have um, Russell Goff, Wilson. Russell Wilson. That's eight, and we're still in the NFC. You make it compete with a Jimmy Garoppolo. I like his decision. I always said mentally he's not tainted, right. and he's come from, from some good stocks, some good stocks, so he's... He's well in the in, in the category of having a chance to be pretty good. So I, I look at his upside with that football team being better than a Kirk Cousins just because of the coaching staff and how they're building that football team. Okay, that's nine, and we're still that's in the NFC guys. only. Yeah. So I think um, you just made my point. But but no, that's not your point. It's not a good point at all. I not mean, because point? timing is everything. So Matt Ryan's gotten the money that he's gotten, and he's gotten $100 million bucks. He'll get that again when he restructures his He was deal. also a league MVP who played yeah. in the Super Bowl. So, so what did we do? Rip up his deal and give him a new one now? No, I'm saying he's justified it. Kirk Cousins has not earned this money. It's been given to him. Well, he was, given, he was given that money before he became the MVP, I, Matt Ryan did. So how did he justify himself getting that money? Because he played well early in his career. And the three years that, that Kirk Cousins has given the National Football League, the Jets figure with what they've had, this guy can give them more. And the, and the marketplace truly allows quarterbacks to get this kind of money. The bar has been set. If you give that type of money to Jimmy Garoppolo, how much should you give to Kirk Cousins? Less. Oh, shit. Oh, here we go. There you go. Yeah, okay. All right, I'll let you have that one. I won't lose my, <laughs> I won't allow my blood pressure to shoot through the roof on this one. Just because um, the Niners overpaid Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't mean another team has to do the same thing. There's yeah, no that, that's the way it, But that's the way it's going to happen as we move forward. To those quarterbacks that's been on the field for the last three, two to three, maybe four years or more, that's what's going to happen. You know how it is. Everything is about slotting. Everything is about positioning. Everything is about timing. Everything is all about, okay, if you give this kind of money to a Jimmy Garoppolo, Mm -hmm. who's only gave you five games, but yet Kirk Cousins took you to a playoff, to had a playoff appearance in three years that he started as a quarterback. Three years. And he's durable. Let's throw that component in there. And he's been with the football team that's been dysfunctional for the last, let's just say all the way back to even Mike Shanahan with RG3 and how they handled that situation. One liked RG3, the other liked Kirk Cousins. That thing was dysfunctional ever since. And all of a sudden, 
How do you justify Kirk Cousins being able to last longer than the RG3? And put up the type of numbers that he's put up three consecutive years. So the, the Jets are saying, we need to make a splash at this position so we can compete and build around it. And he's only six years in the game, so he's young. So for, for me, I you have to give him that kind of money because you've given him 19 and 23 in franchise tag money. Well, the Jets didn't. They don't have to be as foolish as Washington was. Yeah, that's, that's, that's Washington's fault that they didn't actually sign the long-term deal to shrink that number down just a little bit. But the marketplace and the value of what quarterbacks are getting now, it's, it's, he's going to be in a $30 million a year plateau if that 150 number is legit. That's if that number is legit. And, and you know what? Guess what happens to Aaron Rodgers? Guess what happens to maybe a Drew Brees? Is those numbers are going to, if it's 30 million for, for someone, they're going to have to get like 30 and a half to, to 30 and three quarters. Just, just for the sake of conversations. It's going to have to be that. Because if there's anything less, you know, there'll be some frustration for sure. So now the Jets, what they've done is they've outpriced the marketplace by even having that number being out there. That's the Jets' fault. That's not Kirk Cousins' fault. I understand. Kirk, it's, go get your money, oh, This baby. is not an anti-Kirk Cousins observation. Oh, this is the insanity of the Jets. Every let, let me give you a cross-sports analogy as we wrap it up. I know you don't yeah. follow baseball closely, but you're probably aware there's an issue going on in Major League Baseball. Many high-priced free agents have not been signed. Why? Baseball now is approaching things differently, saying just because we did it one way in the past, throwing all this money at veterans as they get older, doesn't mean we have to do the same thing moving forward. And maybe a correction is ultimately coming in the quarterback market because, to me, it is lunacy to give Kirk Cousins $150 million guaranteed. This is the world we're in with quarterbacks. I know it's been a time where we had to justify why guys get this type of money. We had to justify it. You know how we justified it? Super Bowls. Not just wins, but Super Bowls. And that's how in the past we've gauged this thing called, you know, giving quarterbacks money. Franchise, you know, you know, franchise quarterbacks, face of the national, face of their teams, one of the elite quarterbacks in the game. That stuff in the past was what it was. But now when you see a player again, you know, the, the marketplace has changed. See, Matthew Stafford, I can justify him having good, good money because every single year he's been on the football field, he hasn't wavered his numbers. And he's done even better without a Calvin Johnson, which meant basically that he's now having to spread the ball around uh, to more players and not just one and being handicapped doing so. That's how I see that for Matthew Stafford. When it comes to an Andrew Luck, He's filling in for a, a Peyton Manning. He's taking his team to an AFC Championship game. That's it. He gets $87 million guaranteed. Okay? All right. Now, Joe Flacco, he got his money because he earned it. Took his team to a Super Bowl, bet on the house. He got his money. He gave him the championship that this organization needed, which was two of, of, of what? The second championship ring that they end up getting. So we can justify that. Andrew Luck, you know, we could throw a bunch of question marks in here on that one. All right, Jimmy Garoppolo, we could throw a tremendous amount of question marks, and I mean, just pop it in the air. But the reasoning for the 49ers, the reasoning for the Indianapolis Colts with Jim Mersey, now the reasoning for, for, for Kirk Cousins, these three players, to me, these three players, 
those are the question marks. But when you talk about Aaron Rodgers, you're mentioning players like yeah, Drew Breeses, the Ben Roethlisbergers who want to give three more years to the game. You start talking about players like that, these guys are doing it. These guys are playing. Matthew Stafford, he's just with the Detroit Lions, unfortunately for him. But it still hadn't stopped him from being able to put up some great numbers and stay on the football field, whether he's injured or not. He's still out there. He's not missing too much time. Kirk Cousins, you don't know because he sits out because of RG3. When he comes in and plays, he plays well. Goes back to the bench, RG3 goes in, could put the bottom falls out. Before you know it, Kirk Cousins goes in, gets an opportunity. He takes his team to the playoffs in three years. This team has been, you know, it's been like, you know, rolling the dice, so to speak. It's like whatever you get is what you get. It's because they get rid of offensive linemen, defensive players, running backs, Alfred Morris, and wide receivers, and players are injured during the season, and they're relying on that guy to be able to go out and get it done every single week, and he's giving you all he could give you. Now, the Jets becomes another conversation because they know how bad it is there in New York. And so now, just like a lot of teams that are struggling, they have a tendency sometimes to overpay players because they haven't gotten a championship pedigree to justify those numbers based on what we've been accustomed to seeing, but the game has changed based on how they play players now. Pay, particularly, it's just really quarterbacks. There's no one else. It's just the quarterbacks. But that's, that's just the marketplace nowadays is you give what your feelings and heart says you should give. Because as Andrew Luck said, in his heart of hearts, everything's going to be okay. That's how Jim Mercer paid Andrew Luck because he just came out of nowhere when he saw Jimmy Garoppolo get his, uh, Joe Flacco get his money. We're going to have the highest paid quarterback in the game. He just came out. No justification, no nothing. They're just, they just going to do it. Jimmy Garoppolo, we can sit down and really break down some positives of why you feel like he's going to have a chance. And he just got 48.7 million bucks guaranteed now. So we're going off of guaranteed money as we did with Brock Osweiler. It's 36 million bucks of the 70. This kid's only got 48 million bucks. So now he's put in position to have to go out and do some work, but we can justify that reasoning. He's taught by the best. He sat behind the best. Got a chance to play. He played really good. When he was with uh, the New England Patriots, came in with the 49ers, did something that this organization hadn't seen in a very, very long time, which has put this team in position to win. And every week they did that. So they gave him a big lucrative deal to where if, 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 if he can play up to par, he'll be able to see a lot of that money. And you know it's backloaded. So now that's when the restructuring process come in and he becomes another Joe Flacco. To where they give him another 40, 50 million bucks guaranteed money. Something crazy like that. He just needs to go out and play well. But Kirk Cousins, the Jets love him. They like him. And they overpay some players sometimes. I thought, you know, when, when Michael Vick was here in Atlanta and this team wasn't necessarily a good football team, they over they gave him the hundred million, handi- end up handicapping the team. I mean, look what they did with Julio Jones. They gave up so much to make sure to get him. Same scenario, somewhat the same scenario, just maybe not money in his hands, but picks to grab him where they did. And that somewhat cost them for some years. And they finally ended up getting it right last year, finally, as far as winning and him being able to, his problem, he can't stay healthy now. But Kirk Cousins, I think he's, I think Kirk Cousins is fine because I think when you sum it up in the end, 
when you start averaging out the monies per year, I think that's what we were saying when we saw the money to a Matthew Stafford and a, and, and, and a Derek Carr is we're going to eventually see a $30 million quarterback per year annually. Thinking it probably would have been an Aaron Rodgers or maybe a Drew Brees. That marketplace is kind of tough with, 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 with Mr. Benson giving up that kind of money, but well-deserved. We figured that was going to happen, just not with a Kirk Cousins. I will admit that, just not. Maybe 25, 20, maybe 27. I'll say 27. But if, it's, if this, this report is real, if this is legit, 150 million bucks over five years, that's an average of 30 million a year. Guaranteed money is a 60 of them, maybe more. We'll get the particulars as we move forward if this stuff is real. But that, that's his contract. Five years, 150, it's 30 million bucks a year. Whoop. There he is, Kirk Cousins. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. The boys of summer are back. And a fly ball well hit. Back to the wall. He leaps. Can't get it. It's a home run. MLB spring training is here, and you can catch every game from Florida and Arizona live with your subscription to TuneIn Premium. Rivalry games, split squad games, TuneIn has it all. When the pitch count begins for real, catch every game of the 2018 MLB season from opening day to the MLB World Series live on TuneIn. It's gone. It's a home run. Major League Baseball is on TuneIn Premium. Listen all season long. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's welcome in Daryl Ryder from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. Daryl, thanks for coming back on the show. Seems like a done deal. The Browns will take a quarterback with one of their two top five picks. We're all guessing, so we'd appreciate your input. Who do you think the Browns should take? That's a great question um, because each and every one of these quarterbacks coming out, unfortunately, all have questions with them. There is no clear consensus number one in this draft, and this is uh, the unfortunate situation the Browns now find themselves in after deciding to pass on top quarterbacks in the last two draft classes. I've had people uh, in the league tell me that the, you know they don't feel that this class is uh, on the same level as Carson Wentz's class, but I've also had uh, people in the league tell me the exact opposite. So there's no clear consensus on any of these guys, and uh, I guess that's why John Dorsey now is making the big bucks as the general manager of the Cleveland Browns because he's going to have to figure it out before uh, the end of April. This has been a football team that, that tried to find many years uh, over the years to try to find a quarterback, whether it's in going back to 99 when they got the new stadium up until now. Do you see them actually going out to make the same mistake, I would say, again, as opposed to going after Saquon Barkley and give him the opportunity, then build around him and maybe go through free agency to grab a quarterback and build around it? Well, I think they're going to do. Uh, they're they're going to get two quarterbacks in here. Uh, they will go out in free agency and bring in a quarterback to play this year and help them try and win some football games this year. Uh, I also believe that they will draft the quarterback with that first pick, sit him, redshirt him, however you want to term it, and do everything in their power to make sure that, that guy doesn't see the field until they are ready to put him on the field. You know, you mentioned 1999, going back to Tim Couch, uh, the, one of, uh, it, and it started this whole quarterback domino uh, process, but they, they panicked after, uh, I, I remember Carmen Policy uh, had mentioned that, you know, just 
rather casually that they hope to make the playoffs as an expansion team. And then the, the Pittsburgh Steelers rolled in there and, and, and just ran them off the field. Ty Detmer was the starting quarterback. I think they lost like 41 nothing, something like that. Yeah, that's how bad we and, beat them. You're right. Go ahead. Yeah, so <laughs> they, they, they panicked, and then they put Tim Couch on the field right away. Uh, and that was a mistake. They should have just stuck with Detmer and, and let that Couch sit. So um, I don't think that they're going to intentionally repeat poor decision-making by drafting a quarterback number one and then putting him on the field in week one. I don't see that happening. I do believe they will go out in free agency and get a veteran that can come in here and play and help them win some games until they can get their new uh, franchise quarterback ready to play. A franchise quarterback they've been looking for for more than 10 seconds. Talking Browns football with Daryl Ryder, 92.3, the fan in Cleveland. Daryl, we had a lot of conversation on this show in the wake of Todd Haley's departure from Pittsburgh about the notion that he is driven and intense. Could that intensity be too much for a rookie quarterback to handle, even in that redshirt role you were talking about? No, this team needs someone to kick him in the backside. They've won one game in two years. Um I think the Browns getting Todd Haley is a coup for them. Jeez, oh, man, I, that fell right into Jackson's lap. Um, it certainly gives Hugh a little bit of credibility. It also takes some, some stuff off his plate uh, because he was trying to run the show by himself. Now he has somebody with a, a bona fide, established resume, well-respected in the league that can now just run, run with the offense and handle it for him. And he can focus on becoming a, a, a true NFL head coach. So I, I think it's a great move for the Browns. And uh, guess what? If, if you can't handle Todd Haley or an offensive coordinator, then you shouldn't be in the National Football League. It's that simple. When you look at how things have gone with Hugh Jackson over the last couple of years and going through this process of trying to find a quarterback, trying to build up this offensive line, whether it's to free agents, however you go about doing it, you know, how, what's his longevity like far as being able to bring in these players this season and, and I'd say it doesn't work again? I mean, there's only been one win over the last two years and you move forward. Hopefully you can get, what, five or half a dozen at least to get you in position to just be, let's just say, respectable throughout playing in the National Football League? Yeah, I mean, you want to get back to the same level of stink you've been for the last two decades, <laughs> and that is the perennial 4-12, and 5-11 and 11 juggernaut that you've been. Uh, that's, that, that's now the new stand, That's now the new... Brown standard. Can you just get back to that? Um, you know, they haven't they won three games or four games, I should say, in the last three years combined. That's embarrassing, uh, especially in today's uh, day and age. So, yeah, I think you try and win five or six games this year. You feel like things are back in the in the right direction again, and then we a year from now talk about what it's going to take to get this team to achieve mediocrity. And then once they can achieve mediocrity, then we can talk about what it'll take for them. Uh, to get into legitimate contention and, and uh, compete for the playoffs and all those type of things. But, um, you know, humans had a rough go of it. Uh, he, uh, while certainly the roster hasn't been all that great to work with, he's had his blunders as well. He's also had his stubbornness as well with the, you know, butting heads with the front office in that. Well, now you've got traditional football people in charge again with John Dorsey and who brought in Alonzo Highsmith from Green Bay and Elliot Wolf from Green Bay. So it's a traditional front office once again for the Browns. So the excuse train for Hugh Jackson is about to leave the station because with all the salary cap space and all these draft picks, 
there is, there is an expectation that there will be a significant infusion of talent on both sides of the football, and uh, the Browns should be in much better position to compete in the fall. Daryl, this is going to sound absurd, but I know you can handle it as a broadcasting professional. Even though the team went winless, did you see improvement in any specific areas? Uh, you saw some. You saw it with the younger players. Um, you know, guys like David Njoku, the rookie tight end from Miami. Um, I, I think he's got a chance to be a star. Seth DeValve, another young tight end, continues to emerge. Duke Johnson, I think, is, is a hidden gem in the league uh, that just does not get a lot of attention. And I think that if the Browns were a better football team, he would get attention. I think he's a really, really good player. Uh, Miles Garrett, he only played 11 games, but he had seven sacks. That's, that's incredible. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi, I think, is a, a star in the making. Um, the, another young defensive end by the name of Emmanuel Ogba, unfortunately, he got hurt last year. He had four sacks before he went down. He was the leading uh, sacker uh his rookie season back in 2016, I think he and Miles Garrett are going to uh, provide this uh, organization with two very strong, solid bookends. I can't really grade Jabril Peppers because they played him out of position all season, basically out of necessity because they had nobody in the back end of their defense. Um, but I still see potential in him. So there are some nice young pieces that Sashi Brown was able to bring in here. It's just when you're looking at the assets they have, do you want a traditional football guy making those moves, or do you want someone that isn't a traditional football guy making those moves? And I think that that's why the change at that position was made, that and the relationship once again going south between a head coach and a general manager here in Cleveland. With this team, probably if you're looking at the roster, the youngest team in the National Football League, what's the true expectations because you look at Jason McCourty he's 10 years in the game and you look at the offensive tackle and Joe Thomas you know he's sitting there at 12 years in the game what's the true realistic expectations for this football team considering that they truly are so young well I mean I think youth is a crutch and an excuse quite frankly um you know two of the youngest teams in the league uh were uh in the playoffs this past year in uh, New Orleans as well as I think it was, I'm having a brain cramp here, uh, there was another playoff team, maybe it was not Minnesota, but there was another, oh, Jacksonville, Jacksonville. Yeah. So, and San Francisco, I believe, was the youngest as far as snaps played, and the Browns were fourth. They had the fourth most rookie snaps. So I think that the youth aspect of it is is a little bit of a crutch because I think you can be young and I think you you can be good. Uh, and you know, New Orleans had themselves a great draft a, a year ago, and those kids came in and were significant contributors to that playoff team. Same thing uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So uh, I think that the Browns can they're going to add twelve more rookies this year. Uh, six of those rookies are going to be in the top sixty-five of the draft. So level of talent should be uh, up there as well. You should be closer to blue chip guys rather than, you know, maybe a player you're taking a flyer on and, you know, heads or tails, he may or may not work out. Uh, the probabilities of getting a good player or, or a bunch of good players are going to increase. So I really believe the arrow for the Browns is pointing up. This is going to be an exciting off season for them. 
and it's going to be interesting to see how Hugh Jackson, Todd Haley, Greg Williams are able to bring all these kids together and see if uh, they can't start winning some games. Darrell, last one for me. As you interact with fans in person on the radio station and social media, are they numb to all the losing? Is it now a state of apathy, or are they more concerned about where LeBron James is going to play next year? No, well, I mean, obviously, they're all the above. Uh, you know, uh, certainly everyone's worried about LeBron and where he's going to end up, although I think the Cavs help their cause significantly at the trade deadline as far as keeping him. But, you know, uh, Browns fans are passionate. They still love their team. They're frustrated. Uh, they're, they're tired of the losing. They're tired of the – they certainly are sick and tired of the fact that this is now of historic proportions. No team in National Football League history has gone through three seasons with a total of four wins. Um, I think it was the Rams franchise who won six games over three years in the late – 2000, I think more say from like 2007 to 2009, that was the previous record. So fans are frustrated. They're, they're anxious. Uh, they're waiting for this thing to, to finally get on the right track. This will be the 20th season that the franchise has played since returning. They have two above 500 finishes to show for it. One playoff appearance. It was extremely brief, and that is about it. And just a lot of change, a lot of turmoil, a lot of volatility, and just a lot of really ugly football to watch on Sunday afternoons. That's why they had the parade. I think that parade was, you know. Um, How did you see that parade? People, was that rock yeah. bottom or a celebration of the ironic cruelty of being a Brown fan? No, I, all of the above. I, I covered the parade. I was there. It was uh, the coldest I've ever been in my life, let me tell you that. <laughs> but it, listen, it was part protest. It was part tailgate. It was part just celebrating, still giving a care about a franchise that gives you nothing in return. Um, I thought it was a great atmosphere. Some of the signs uh, were very, very creative. Uh, I have pictures of all of them. Uh, And uh, the love for the Cleveland Browns remains. So uh, I can't wait to see what uh, the city of Cleveland is like once this football team actually gets it's act together, and as we talked about, I really think that this offseason, they are positioned very, very strongly to uh, to really begin that process. Darrell, we always enjoy having you on the show. Thanks for joining us again today on the NFL on TuneIn. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. A year into Donald Trump's presidency, we still don't have answers to basic questions about how his family business works. Like, who are their business partners? Or is the business benefiting from his administration? Is Trump acting on behalf of the country or his company? Trump, Inc. is a podcast from WNYC Studios and ProPublica, where we dig deep and ask questions about President Trump's family business. We're looking for answers, and you can help. Listen to Trump, Inc. today on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's spotlight the Bucks with Tom Krasnicki from 620 WDAE in Tampa. Tom, as always, we appreciate the time. Let's talk running backs. Not a huge surprise that the Bucks cut Doug Martin yesterday. Given that he's 29 years old, what could his future look like elsewhere? Good to talk to you again, guys. Look, I think Doug, at this stage of his career, because of the off-the-field stuff, because of the ineffective play on the field, I think he's going to have to take a one-year prove-it type of deal with a lot of incentives to come in and be maybe a 1A to a 1 running back somewhere. So he's going to have to be a part of a tandem in order to try and 
build his resume back up because it's taken a big hit over the last couple of years. Give me the conversation or even the energy of what uh, Coach Cutter as well as Jameis Winston, that relationship, because it sounds like it's been kind of rocky over some time. Well, look, like every relationship in life, guys, either professionally or personally, you know, there's going to be ups and downs in every relationship. And I think a lot of people saw what took place on Hard Knocks where Dirk had Jameis in his office and, look, you can win the game for us. You can lose the game for us. We need you not to turn the ball over. And, look, Jameis is Jameis, Cordell. You've seen this. You know, if a guy's a risk taker, he's going to roll the dice. He's going to try and throw the football down the field. The Bucks are trying to get him to check the ball down and throw the ball away. And that's going to be somewhat of a process for Jameis moving forward. He's got the talent to be a big-time quarterback. Dirk is trying to get him to – make less mistakes because he's going to make some mistakes. And, you know, there's probably some friction there, but I think every quarterback offensive coordinator relationship has had some friction from time to time. Chatting with Tom Krasnicki from 620 WDAE in Tampa. Tom, last time we had John towards the business end of the regular season, there was a lot of national speculation. Dirk Cutter might get fired. He kept the job. Are you surprised how things played out and how much of that came down to John Gruden getting the mega offer from the Raiders? Uh, I think all those factors were in play from what I'm told. Look, I think the Bucks were thinking about making a move. The Glazers have had a propensity and affinity for the big name, and I think there was some sort of dialogue with John Gruden, and when they found out what his demands were going to be, I think they kind of backed off a little bit. And Look, it's a gutsy move staying with Dirk for one more year. His first year, 9-7, and seven, last year with great expectations. He fell to 5-11. and 11. I thought there would be more changes along the coaching staff than there were. Dirk apparently is not going to give up his play calling. Mike Smith was embattled as a defensive coordinator. He's back. The Bucks just made a solid hire along the defensive line with Brenton Buckner. But they are telling the fans and everybody else, look, I think our coaches are fine. We just need better personnel. And they do need better personnel. There are holes everywhere on this team from the offensive line, defensive line, secondary. And now they need a running back, too. When you see them release a player like a Chris Baker, uh, give me your take on the direction of this football team because – Changes and frustration and conversations that not always up to the level that they expected, uh, which is positive, trying to win this division. Uh, what direction is this team going in? Well, that's a great question, Cordell. Look, uh, I think they're under the gun. I think there's some concern. I have concern about them turning it around and having a winning football team next season because of the division that they're in. They're in the best division of football. The other three teams in their division all made the playoffs this past season. So, the Bucks have a lot of work to do. There are a lot of holes to fill. They do have the seventh pick. Now they have more cap space. I think guys are going to be very, very active in free agency coming up next month because the pressure's on. Jason Light is on the spot. Dirk Cutter's on the spot. And Jameis Winston is on the spot. So there are a lot of guys who are entering make-or-break years in 2018. Tom Krasnicki, 620 WDAE in Tampa, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Tom, this is the golden age of wide receivers, so much talent across the league, but does Mike Evans deserve more national credit beyond the fantasy football chatter? I think Mike is a good receiver, guys. I don't know if he's in the top three or four, but he's probably like five or six, somewhere in that pecking order. He's had 4,000-yard seasons. He's had 32 touchdowns in his young career. Uh, I'd like to see him high point the football a little bit more. Certainly when you're down in the red zone and he and James are still kind of working on that chemistry a little bit. I think he's a fine receiver. He's going into the final year. His, his agent is talking some big time numbers. 
he is not going to get out of Tampa. The Bucks won't let him go. If they can't work out a deal after 2018, he'll get the franchise tag, and he'll remain here for a long time. How about Tell me about Mike Smith. I know defensively they've struggled just a little bit, but tell me about Mike Smith. If it's not Dirk Cutter, do you think he becomes eligible to be the next head coach uh, with this Bucks team considering how he was let go here in Atlanta? Cordell, I don't think so. Uh, I think Mike Smith is part of the problem. I think there were too many games last year where he was slow to adjust. And, yeah, the talent along the defensive line, I think they kind of overrated what they had going on there. They were counting on some guys like Jacquees Smith coming off a knee injury and Noah Spence coming off a shoulder injury to provide a pass rush. And those two guys got hurt again, especially Noah Spence, a second shoulder surgery. So that hampered the pass rush. The guys in the back end, you know, Vernon Hargraves was a first-round pick, guys, in 2016, and, you know, he struggled. He has struggled so far, and I have doubts as to whether he's got the size and the speed to play on the outside. I think his best position may end up being a slot corner, and you got Brent Grimes was their best cornerback. He's a free agent. He's 34 going on 35, and I'm of the belief that the Bucks need to go on free agency. they got to get at least two corners this offseason some way, somehow, considering the division and the quarterbacks that they play in. So Mike Smith is certainly under the gun as well as Dirk Cutter. And Tom, to amplify that, do you think the secondary is the biggest offseason need or do you want to start with the offensive line? Uh, defensive line, guys. they got to get some pressure on the quarterback. They were last in the league in that category. I think they need multiple players along the defensive line. They need a defensive tackle with Chris Baker being gone. Somebody to play next to Gerald McCoy to lessen the strain on him. And they need guys to come off the edge and get after the quarterback. They are lacking in that area. Defensive line is the number one priority. So there's no hope for this team to compete for this division next season? Well, I don't mean to paint the gloomy picture. I don't know about no You did no a good job. You did a good because, job. Because, <laughs> you know, the NFL, Cordell, as you know, is certainly a wacky league. You know, teams yeah. come out of nowhere from year to year. And that's the great thing about this league is because Everyone works in an even playing field. If you have the right guys in charge making the right moves from free agency to the draft, I wouldn't rule out a trade. I think the Buccaneers are going to be very active very active this offseason. Uh, they're going to have to make a lot of moves, and it's going to be up to Jameis Winston to take care of that football, and hopefully he stays on the field because don't forget, guys, he's got this Uber driver investigation that the league is looking into, so the Bucs are a little bit concerned about where that investigation might go and if he might be suspended for a couple of games next year. Tom, as always, we appreciate the information. Thanks for joining us again on the NFL on TuneIn. Guys, my pleasure. Take care. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.